This is the Ignoramus's Guide to Surviving Humanity. I'm Eliana Chan. And I'm this is... Chan. <laughs> um, so today we are having a conversation with um, Jess Wu, who is an activist, um, an organizer. Would you say that's like a pro uh, the correct terminology? Yeah. Um, has a background in law is an extremely intelligent articulate and interesting person but um what else would you add to that um i would say that she is also very good at not hiding from controversy and speaks her mind so and challenges existing kind of leftist narratives which i think is great hello hey jess good morning <laughs> Good morning. We were just talking about you. Funny coincidence. <laughs> I hope lovely things. I can't take anything negative this morning, so oh. I'm just kidding. Oh, no, we're, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Come for me. Okay. Um, cool. So we did a little introduction of you and your, well, I would say not really covered your accomplishments. We just sort of heaped sort of vague praise on you. So <laughs> <laughs> is there... Anything that you kind of want to start with is in your own intro? Uh, sure. I mean, first of all, I'm not sure if I've accomplished anything yet, um, but definitely trying. Um, yeah, I would just say that I am yeah, a part-time uh, activist, advocate for things that I care about. Um, yeah, I think, you know, uh, on my own, uh, I, try to, I try to be educated and I try to explain some concepts to, to folks um, who might need help. And then, uh, yeah, with, with an organization in, in New York City called Writers for Rights, uh, yeah, we try to help the community over there and also um, pushing for, for candidates that we want to see to enact the policies that we want to see. Oh, that's so interesting. I just, um, I want to ask you a little bit more about Writers for Rights later, but I just have to jump in there and, and ask you about who are the candidates right now for New York mayor that you're excited about? Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, I mean, so right now uh, we've been focused on uh, the city council races, so I've not been super personally involved, but, you know, we have a whole team who've done a ton of dedicated work, you know, putting out um, candidate surveys and, you know, really asking the questions that we want them to answer, that we want to understand, right, you know, are they helping the community, you know, um, are, they, are they for abolition, you know, do they want less policing, you know, do they want to abolish ICE, so all these really pressing questions that really help the local communities over there. In terms of the mayor race, um, you know, that's a, as a different level. And quite honestly, you know, the, the politics at that level uh, is quite different uh, than, you know, the local level politics, you know, there's much more money involved, much more funding involved, and just, you know, much more association, right, with like the, the larger, you know, democratic party, the democratic machine. So while the local elections, you know, the local city council elections can sometimes be turned by, you know, just a few hundred votes, uh, it's much difficult, much more difficult to influence um, you know, the mayoral election. Plus, um, you know, their their policies are just really not what we are about. So <laughs> it's very hard to, uh, yeah, to, to find a candidate that we really are passionate about. So that being said, you know, we're after we do, I think, the um, the, uh, the the city council races, I think we're going to start looking more closely at the mayoral candidates. Although, like I said, right now, we're not we're not super excited, I don't think, about them. I don't know if you saw, but uh, the other day, um, 
a, a newspaper asked, uh, asked the, the, the candidates so far, you know, how much do they think a, a house in Brooklyn costs? Oh, yeah, I saw that. And that was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would be hilarious if it wasn't, you know, real. <laughs> yeah, it was. I mean, I think it was hilarious in terms of um, just how sad it is. Because he said in Brooklyn, he thought a median, and it's median, not average. So I think there might be a little, you know, difference with that. But he thought it was like, I think ninety thousand or a hundred thousand. Yeah, which is ridiculous in Brooklyn. You wouldn't even be able to get like a shoebox for that yeah. amount. Yeah, a, yeah, like a a trailer or like a yeah a temporary storage solution probably. But um, yeah, so it just it really shows you know how out of touch our, our politicians. Yeah, are. and just so that viewers know, because like. He, they may not have lived in Brooklyn, so they don't know that the actual median house price is actually 900,000. <laughs> so it's quite different <laughs> from what he's thinking. Dollars, US dollars for British people here. <laughs> in pounds, what's that improper stuff? Improper stuff. That'd be around like 700,000 okay. pound-ish. Yeah. Not good at maths, but it's around that, around that, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's a lot, it's a lot. And that wouldn't be like a huge mansion, obviously. Um, so what are the main policies do you think that you're advocating for, for writers for rights? And do you think that they uh, translate to being here in the UK? I think so. You know, I think in, you know, in the time that I've been trying to, you know, educate myself as well, you know, on the things that I'm speaking about, obviously that's, that's quite important. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, everything that we talk about and, you know, and if we, think about, uh, you know, the abolitionists that we care about, you know, like Angela Davis and, you know, um, her organization, Critical Resistance, has been doing this work for a really long time. Um, and, and you know, as well as the, the um, kind of the Black writers that I, I really like, you know, um, who talk about, you know, transformative justice and, you know, new ways of uh, thinking about, you know, how we can support each other and how, how at the community level, um, right, that we can, that we can actually uh, you know, come together. What are the writers that you really things? like? So that, what would you say is like a book? Um, right now I've been reading a lot of, um, I always get her name wrong, Marie, Adrian, Adrian Marie Brown or Adrian Marie Brown, <laughs> one second. Um, yeah, Adrian Marie Brown, um, she, she has a theory called, or uh, she advocates for a theory um, called um, emergent strategies, which is, you know, it's kind of aligned with our work at Rides for Rights. You know, we are a flat organization. We don't have uh, leadership. We do most things by consensus and the things that we don't do by consensus, we we essentially vote by consensus, say like this, this group of people can then, you know, make the decisions, you know, on behalf of us um, because of, you know, their passion or their expertise. Um, so yeah, so she, she writes a lot about, um, you know, um, groups organizing um, self-sufficiently uh, and, you know, kind of taking elements from nature where, you know, where folks or, you know, even, you know, things like birds can come together, right, without kind of central leadership. And it's kind of um, goes with, uh, you know, whatever that we're trying to do. So, um, you know, she's been pretty central, I think, to, to the work that we've been trying to do. Um, and yeah, for myself, at least, um, you know, uh, Angela Davis has been like a really big influence, um, you know, just because I think that she, she speaks about things um, that are kind of more encompassing than just, you know, uh, race, right, or black liberation, you know, um, I think now that we're um, at this stage, uh, hopefully of, you know, the, the, the movement, right, we're really thinking about intersectionality, right, you know, 
how do we uplift the most marginalized and you know that intersection um, is, is important to, to recognize and then advocate for versus just, you know, I think, you know, there's the criticism of like the civil rights movement in the 60s is that, you know, it was quite middle class focused. Um, it was, you know, led by black men who may have forgotten or who may not have prioritized, you know, the needs of the more marginalized in their community. Wow. So, you know, ideally now folks are recognizing that. And then, that's you know, so interesting because really it's it like, I kind of, feel well this year I think there's just been like a lot more movies about I guess the civil rights uh you know um there's yeah, certain cool like now. yeah it's cool now and so there's a few that uh come to mind just like from the Oscars uh Judas and the Black Messiah was one about the um Black Panther uh and Black Panthers and then there was um the other one that was also released, you know, it was Chicago, Trial of the Chicago Seven. And I thought that was really interesting because it just kind of, to me, showed like having lived in the US for the past five years and just coming back to the UK in November, um, it just kind of showed like that now we've, we have a huge regression in terms of one for Chicago, uh, Trial of uh, Chicago, Trial of Seven, something like that. Um, mm -hmm. tr Trial of Chicago Seven. They actually showed that they used to to have the 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 names of like Vietnam vets or mm -hmm. people mm -hmm. who had died, you know. And we mm -hmm. don't even we don't have that. So it's just like in terms of there are certain things that we've just regressed so far back. Like yeah. now, there's no even acknowledgement of casualties, you know. And then in terms of I think the Black Messiah, the other thing was just that it's what you were saying, the solidarity, the whole like, we have more in common with the white working man, which was basically something Fred Hampton, you know, was very yeah. clear on. Um, I think, yeah, I think what's interesting is that, you know, that class theory and that solidarity, um, that I think has been um, purposefully lost <laughs> or erased, shall we say. Um, so yeah, and and obviously that was that was definitely there. You know, uh, both Malcolm X and um, and Martin Luther King had similar comments to say about about class solidarity. And yeah, you know, towards yeah towards the end, um, you know, I, I believe Martin Luther King did say, you know, uh, it's it's yeah he he did want he started advocating for more um, you know equality uh, amongst classes for sure. And he acknowledged as well, like the the funding of the military industrial complex, mm -hmm. how mm -hmm. it diverted money from uh, pov the poverty fund. And, yeah. you know, yeah. so I think that was like, I mean, again, that's an another thing that it's, it's like almost, obviously there are people talking about it, but in the mainstream that, that message is completely lost in terms yeah. of. And I think um, what's the distinction that I, I make or that I've noticed myself is that, you know, Black women in the movement, you know, Kathleen Cleaver, you know, she's been very prominent um, throughout her career, you know, ended up, uh, ended up becoming a lawyer, things like that. Uh, um, yeah, the Black women in those movements are the ones that who've consistently, you know, called attention to, to their struggles and their needs, right? Whereas, um, you know, it's not always been necessarily a public focus of the very visible Black male leaders, say, of the movement. Um, and I think it's just, uh, for me, that tells me that, you know, who do we listen to? Like, who do we look to to, to guide us? 
uh, in our mission, you know, in the work that we do. And, you know, for me, it's, you know, it's, it's black or, or indigenous women or like, or black indigenous, black or indigenous movements, um, you know, that are led um, that I think are, give us kind of the blueprint or at least give us the inspiration um, that we need or to make sure that, you know, we are accounting for, for the needs of everybody, right? Because I think, when we when we try to rise up in the past you know if we leave people behind you know we're, we're not actually we don't have liberation right we're not we're not free until we're free so i think hopefully now there's i at least i've seen much more people realize that uh, the impact that it has you know when you ignore uh people that you know and then i think the more that you dig into the needs and the issues that you know people are facing the more you recognize how interconnected they are and i think now I'm sensing that, you know, some people start to feel that this is a global movement, you know, like whether it's Palestine, whether it's Colombia, whether it's Hong Kong, you know, it's, it's, there are central themes, right, of oppression that we're all really fighting uh, against. Uh, and I think, you know, that kind of consciousness that this is not just, you know, for Asian people, this is not just for Black people, it's not just for queer people. Um, and it's not just for you middle-class people who have time to, to you know, think about these things. Um, yeah, I think that getting that consciousness, I think is gonna be quite key, hopefully in, in the future. I mean, that is another thing that I think this month has been kind of interesting with, uh, well, I guess this week actually with um, Israel and Palestine, just the past few days, the events there and the bombings, because that is something again, that I think in the 60s and 70s, just talking about the, the brothers or sisters in Palestine, solidarity, that was just more of an accepted rhetoric. And in the past, like maybe, I don't know, 10 years, it's just been so taboo to even mention Palestine. Like when um, Bernie Sanders said that uh, thing about Palestinians um, deserve human rights or something very mm -hmm. like so basic, yeah. he, it was like such an outcry, you know, in the, one of the presidential debates. So that's another thing that, I don't know, we're going back and we're going back and then are we going forward? You know, it's like another thing where it just feels like a regression, but now it seems to be coming to the forefront again, yeah. maybe. I think, I think there is, um, I think there's just multiple channels where these conversations are happening. And I think, yeah, if we can look historically, right, we can pick out the things that you know um right that we can we can show that it was solidarity we can show you know that these the struggles were interconnected and people were working towards that um and then you have you know the mainstream narrative right where that's kind of hidden they squashed it people they killed now, yeah. people they smeared people i mean those were effective tactics mm -hmm. um yeah and i think we're seeing similar things happening right now right like i think the mainstream you know if you ooh, don't read the new york times but you know i think what yeah. you know the mainstream reporting of especially what's not happening in palestine or 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 you know uh, any discussions about china or the chinese government right is is wholly trouble <laughs> troubling to me at least um in in the framing and then but you know then we have independent journalists right we also have um now we have social media so there's people who are speaking on on these matters as well and who offer a completely different perspective and uh yeah and i think you know it, at least from for me obviously you know I, i'm going to be seeing more of the things that i agree with um and you know i i don't necessarily think an echo chamber is um by design or by definition a bad thing but um yeah of course i'm going to be seeing the, the things that i care about so 
whether everyone else is seeing that. Um, but, I, right. but, you know, I mean, uh, now we have celebrities coming into to these discussions as well. So maybe. Yeah. maybe but I mean, I think that the fact is, like, if you want to be informed, you can't be like now. If you if there's an area that you feel ignorance about, you can do a Google search and and then probably spend like five hours trying to sort through what's credible. Mm-hmm. But at least you have that option, right? Yeah, yeah. I think it, I think it depends on the the topic as well. You know, um, yeah. No, you're right. I think I think, but I think it's difficult because like I think to find writing or to find you know sources that aren't biased in mm-hmm. any way or, or aren't overly biased or aren't overly let's say u.s imperialist um is yeah is extremely difficult so you know anything you read has a certain political agenda and framing to it um and yeah and i think that's where just practicing like critical like thinking and things like that come in really helpful but yeah it's it's, it's still i think it could still be quite challenging so what would you, I would, I kind of want to hear Wei's perspective about this because he's been in the UK the, this whole time. And then your perspective about the top three things like that we should be dealing with. In the UK? Well, in the US maybe for you. And then what do you think, Wei, for, the, for in the UK? Oh my God, that's really putting me on the spot. really i should have given you five hours okay i'm not going to give you the top three things because whatever i say though obviously just the first three that come to mind maybe yeah yeah the first thing that's so much pressure um (laughs) yeah and um class solidarity anti-racism um transphobia what uh, so what do you mean by class solidarity let's Um, tackle the first one (laughs) So, so I think uh, we 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 were just chatting about it before, but um, but obviously um, I think there are there are two aspects to um, social justice, which is like the well not two, but you have the class aspect, and then you have the identity politics aspect, and the identity politics aspect has entered the mainstream, but is somehow a little bit diluted on um, uh, on the. Uh, class solidarity side so um, and the reality is is that you can't really achieve racial equality without um, without addressing structural issues that affect um, class and so I think that's important Um, transphobia uh, is really sucks in the UK really sucks I think I think we are behind Mm -hmm. actually the US yeah, I think we're behind the US, which is really interesting because the, you, you can't even get an abortion in the US, but you um, but somehow the, the, the trans uh, healthcare could be um, better than ours. So here oh, they, I don't they, know actually about yeah. that. Mm-hmm. We should definitely yeah. do a the whole problem podcast with, um, about that. The problem with the US is that, you know, the uh, each state um, has a lot exactly. of... Exactly. And they rolled back some stuff. In many mm-hmm. states, yeah. yeah. So maybe we should do a whole. We should, yeah. On Let, that. Let's, let's say really that another time. I, I could really run on it, but just terrorism yeah. and. And like, I'm very. There's so many areas of that that I'm so curious about and have mm-hmm. questions about, and uh, yeah, let's definitely do that. Um, but back to your class thing, I mm-hmm. do have a question about that. In terms of, um, have you heard the term class reductionist? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So. I'm like on the fence about that mm-hmm. because 
so for me, I just wonder if I am a class reductionist. But the mm -hmm. thing that I sort of object to when people talk about it mm -hmm. is that there seems to be like no acknowledgement of racism and how it factors in. Mm -hmm. But like the people that I've heard of who identify, like who um, identify as class reductionists, like um, Adolf Junior Reed, Adolf, Adolf Reed Junior, probably, um, he acknowledges racism. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't like. He's like, it's a given. It's obvious. You know, mm -hmm. it is there. It's just mm -hmm. that's not where our solutions come from. Um, and so I'm inclined to agree with that, but he also really downplays representation. Like he's mm -hmm. like, I don't give a fuck if like mm -hmm. um, black people win Oscars, for example. Like that's mm -hmm. not where his um, like focus is. Uh, so, you know, yeah. I, I feel that's that's a bit reductive. <laughs> ha -ha. <laughs> that's but, why it's called class reductionism. Yeah, but. <laughs> What do you think the, like, what are the pros for it, though? I mean, I think that for me, the, the reason, the case for it is that mm -hmm. I, like, for example, when that, that uh, video leaked of Biden talking to civil rights leaders, mm -hmm. do you, did you catch that one? And, and they were talking about real things, like, <laughs> um, police yeah, brutality, sure, etc. Yeah. And he was like, but look at the, um, Look at the what was the term? The amount of like multiracial commercials we have. For sure, yeah. I mean, look, that that that's completely you know, empty, uh, a very empty point to make. Um, although you know, like that, people of color do appreciate representation. Let's be real about that. And queer people and trans people do appreciate representation. So let's let's recognize that. Um, but for sure, it, it, it isn't, it can be an empty gesture if there is representation in an ad or something like that. And, 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 and there's no policy to address um, structural inequality and, 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 and wealth inequality um, in, in race and, and, and gender. Um, but the, I think the accusation of class reductionists, you can level it at someone, I mean, especially in left-wing movements that does exist significant racism and significant misogyny right so and and to not acknowledge that dimension i think is um is 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 not helpful yeah i think um, i think really the answer here is just intersectionality right like yeah. recognition that class is a factor recognition that race is a factor recognition that all all the aspects of our identity is a factor is a factor and then when trying to think about solutions or trying to think about how we can support other identities or, or other you know, yeah people that are affected by you know the different types of oppression um that we recognize that and that we we center that right you know we, we don't while we all want the same things which is like safety security and you know education for for everyone um the way that we achieve that is different depending on the communities that you know we're advocating for at that or that we're you know showing solidarity with you know um and uh yeah i think way to to your point yeah i think appreciation of representation is very different to uh what we're asking for right so for example um yeah it's it's nice to have more asian representation but you know in terms of what you know asian activists uh, or asian community leaders are asking for it's not really that you know that that can be a nice byproduct mm -hmm. um of uh you know of um 
recognition of our struggles but mm -hmm. what we really want uh is right is uh making sure that we're we're, we're um that we're lifting um you know aging populations are in poverty out of poverty and that you know we're not facing like real discrimination you know um in, in our daily lives right and yes representation just by nature will become you know part of that right one once we're less discriminated but against. also i do think that representation helps with humanizing you know yeah like genuine exactly. representation Absolutely. so therefore suddenly these communities are allowed to live allowed to dream etc you yeah. know, so I think that I don't think that can really be, and so that's probably why I'm not a class reductionist. Although how, how I are you do supposed to get a good job if people just see you as useless or you know whatever whatever stereotype it it is. Yeah, or lazy or dumb or whatever. Yeah, or if like, people are transphobic, you know, how are people? How how is a trans person supposed to get a job? You know, if um, if 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 that hasn't. If yeah, if you're just considered scary or been addressed, and people just laugh at you when you get in the room. Yeah, absolutely. But then it can be weaponized in a way that is so dangerous. I For mean, sure. I think that sure. having Biden as like now president, but at the time that when he was chosen, I guess chosen as the uh, Democratic candidate, you know, was like kind of the apex, I guess, of that year in terms mm -hmm. of like protests black lives matter protests and stuff like that and then it's kind of like a huge slap in the face to be like and here's kamala harris your representation mm. she is black and plus mm -hmm. she's asian so she mm -hmm. kind of covers everything <laughs> and Most a woman and a woman yeah they got a three in one so yeah right so well, what does kind that of mean dangerous so right yeah i feel that was really dangerous because it just covered and I know so many people actually who posted on social media with great abandon <laughs> while the protests were going on and then posted with the same amount of like, I don't know, um, cheerleading when with Kamala Harris, you know, like with no sense of irony between those two. On representation, actually, Jess, you had an interesting point about uh, Andrew Yang. Oh yeah, and Andrew Yang's <laughs> another one. Don't touch me. <laughs> oh my goodness, Andrew Yang, what the yeah. fuck are you doing? Um, yeah, no, we we no longer claim him right, surely as a as a representative for us. Um, yeah, you know, I was thinking about this the other day, and like, you know, right now we have this concept of like, you know, like pick me girls or like pick me guys, you know, like people who pander to you know their target audience or like their, their target um romantic interest and uh, yeah i think andrew yang is a pick me asian you know like yeah. very you know yeah. an agent of white supremacy essentially mm -hmm. um right like you know his his statements before about how you know we should all we should all or, or at least asian americans should be you know proving how american they are and Through and you know service yeah <laughs> what, like, what acts of service like joining the military yes yes <laughs> oh so, my god so he basically referenced like world war ii or vietnam i can't remember but he basically had this black and white photo and and was like i think it was and and he he, he was kind of like in xyz year um japanese americans uh proved that they were american by you know, by fighting for the oh something like that. And then yeah. being <sighs> interned? <laughs> why? Crazy. Why yeah. do we have to prove that 
we are part of the country that we are citizens of because we're a different race you know like yeah. that's and 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 just being by being extra nice to white people presumably you know <laughs> like um really really disgusting um comment from andrew yang i mean i my thoughts on andrew yang was apart from ubi which seemed to be the only thing and actually decriminalization of drugs which i thought was an interesting stance to take but mm. basically the ubi thing was his answer for everything he just seemed incredibly mm. ignorant about every other issue right but when when we asked you know when people asked what where the ubi money would come from it was to cut you know it was regressive for like other social services and things like that yeah yeah so, okay which is you know. stupid yeah so yeah so... don't vote andrew yang if you want <laughs> i mean that but that's kind of the problem too is that i think back to the class reductionist argument <laughs> um just the idea of voting for someone because of their race um is yeah. such a problem because what are their policies really yeah and it's actually um it's actually a um like a modern and like wrong interpretation of what identity politics is so identity politics mm -hmm. began again um you know as a black feminist term to say that you know uh we you advocate for policies that affect your identity not your identity means that you are a good advocate for other people in your community so now you know now we've kind of taken the the substance of that meaning right which is yes people who are black or you know indigenous or queer right uh, and they advocate for the things that affect them because they that, that's their lived experience right that that's what they know and they're they're the best people to advocate for the things that affect them now it's turned into right Kamala Harris is is uh, biracial Kamala Harris is a, a minority woman therefore you know we must vote for Kamala Harris right or Andrew Yang is a very prominent you know Asian um Asian um politician therefore Asians should rally behind him right but you know their policies it's though are used. to not actually advocate for the community at all yeah right? it's been used in that way like instead of listening to but again it's that whole thing of like blaming the voter for voting against their own interests and therefore you know um giving them this this thing this superficial representation or tokenism or symbolism of you know who they're supposed to vote for mm. um but so back to your policy or your top three issues slash policies what are they <laughs> god i mean for <laughs> For well, the first three, yeah. For <laughs> Wait, and, and yours way was class, um, transphobia, and anti-racism. Okay. Yeah. I mean, pretty standard. <laughs> <laughs> pretty standard. But pretty I guess standard. like the question would be, how would, I'm sorry, as Jess, you're formulating your thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm just thinking, but how would these things apply, like in the UK, in terms in of the policy? UK, I mean, for example, um, some people didn't know this, but conversion therapy was only just on the table as being banned. So it's been in, yeah, gay conversion therapy is legal. Um, I believe there was a Queen's speech last week. So uh, Her Royal Majesty uh, intervened and, and said, like alluded to conversion therapy being banned. Uh, obviously I'm joking, she didn't intervene, but she alluded to it. <laughs> She's uh, not allowed to intervene. Yeah. <laughs> She's benevolent um so so that's pretty shocking and also um like 
um, you can't even get a non-binary passport in the UK. So, so the, the medical route um, and the administrational route to, uh, to trans rights is, um, there, are so, there are so many things that, that uh, so many blockers and, um, uh, in the way. And I think, yeah, I mean, that there is just a significant movement, uh, anti-trans movement in the UK that, that has a lot of power um, infiltrates the BBC, is part of the NHS, um, and, and spread, spreads false narratives. So I think that, for example, in, in concrete ways, um, legislation needs to change. Are there any political parties right now that seem to be sympathetic to this? God. All right. <laughs> <laughs> there, was, um, there was a party that came up on my TikTok the other day, like well. the women's Oh, the women's in equality one? Let's look at it. Maybe, am I? Uh, yeah, women's equality party. Here we go. Set up in 2015. Uh, and yeah, they have said, obviously I haven't looked into them at all, but they did say that they are, uh, yeah, trans women are women. Mm -hmm. So uh, yeah, although, you know, I do, again, I think this is a bit maybe of like, I guess, gender reductionism, right? You know, I don't really... Uh, in like in their two minute TikTok like <laughs> commercial that I saw, they're like, you know, don't you think it would be better if women were in charge? And it's like, no, oh, no. I don't think it's better no. if women are in charge. I think it's better for people. Haven't we who... had that with Theresa yeah. May, apparently? And Margaret More Thatcher? Women bombing Thatcher. Syria. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Woke. Yeah. <laughs> Woke bombing. That's exactly yeah. what we need. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I hesitate a little bit there, but, you know, uh, you're right. Any party that says at the outset that, you know, um, at least they're inclusive is, is good, it's a good start, <laughs> you know? I guess that's a good start, but I really do hate that I, that because that came up a lot during like Hillary, you know, like, yeah. oh, she's a woman, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And it's just it's like, like the whole girl boss empowerment lean in, mm -hmm. you know, the, yeah. the white feminist. Um, but it's right also like, you have to listen to what people actually say. Like, you know, you don't just look at their faces um, and she's just, yeah, so. I'm really kind of against that sort of superficial tokenism. Yeah, I think it's done a lot of harm. You know, if you think about yes. mainstream feminism in the last, I don't know, like five to 10 years, right? The the amount of time and attention that was spent on getting women into the boardroom or, you know, uh, women CEOs or, you know, yeah, like have a killer career. Mm. Um, you know, it was completely inaccessible and not desirable for so many women and really not the main issues, right? I mean, gendered violence is, is still rampant, uh, you know, and, and it, without that focus, it's, it's just, it's, it's completely meaningless. And it, it completely, again, it was very classist and it, you know, it excluded women of color. Mm -hmm. So, and I think it really sets us back because it, I think it, it made people think that, oh, look, women are getting their, their day now, so cool <laughs> yeah and then the whole listen to women women thing got moved from actual victims of violence and rape into just listen to like elizabeth warren every time she says that it's like what <laughs> you know it's like crazy yeah yeah so so easily derailed i think um so uh now that we've had that little digression well not a little digression but an important subject what do you what would you say your talk you know your first come to mind issues or policies that you would like change? Yeah, I think, um, I think, 
really in 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 doing more of this work and 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 trying to formalize this i think um a lot of these things are at the global level right you know like we if we look at policing and like the prison industrial complex obviously in the us there's a there's a lot of um there's a, a lot of uh, money and resources tied into that uh, into that structure but I, I would say globally right policing is, is a massive problem right uh, globally policing is used to uh, yeah defend either corporate interests or to defend property uh, and you know often used against the population right um you know to, to silence and to you know to, to yeah basically you know inflict violence upon them so i think that is something that happens everywhere right in the uk it's you know it's not as violent because well it's not as i guess it, on the face violent because you know uh, police officers don't tend to have guns but you know they still act in a very similar way to to how you know um u.s law enforcement acts um so yeah so i think yeah. dismantling that is, is like the key. bristol riots i mm -hmm. guess that happened like a few months ago yeah yeah in extremely bristol, violent yeah. and even yeah, the and one about manu which i i mean part of me was laughing but then at the same time that's just so terrible you know like that they were using actual physical violence against these mm -hmm. men mm -hmm. um, yeah and even um yeah i think there's a there's a case going on right now a trial going on right now i don't know if it's still happening but yeah the uh, i think a a person died in police custody and you know it, it's, so these things are happening and i think yeah, i think there's been many deaths you know over the last how many many years but not a single conviction as of yet in the uk so you know we can't i, I don't think we can really say that none of those deaths no, no. or all but i do wonder about the scale just because like in Absolutely. the in la like during the protest last year it came out that the budget for LA was uh, 56% or over 50% mm -hmm. for the police, mm -hmm. which is just a ridiculous, ridiculous amount. So that's why they have like helicopters and like military weapons, yeah. etc. But I wonder what the budget is in the U UK. Like that's something I guess. Yeah, I assume less. But, you know, I think part of the issue is that, you know, we are, it's not just about, you know, the, the violent incidents or like the incidents that result in death, right? The, the thing with, you know, structural racism or structural oppression is that it affects everyone's daily lives. And, you know, you, you're traumatized by that. And, you know, uh, we shouldn't, you know, just only focus on the the real ex extreme instances, right? Like that is that is that is the system acting, you know, to to its most violent end. Um, you know, what is happening every day is the structural racism and the structural oppression, right? That that people, that marginalized people, have to struggle with, and that affects their mental health, and that that affects their opportunities, right? As as we mentioned earlier. Um, so I think you're even if we're not seeing, you know, people getting beat up or being shot in the street. Um, I think institutionalized racism, regardless of what the government says, is real and is affecting people. And it's a massive problem in the UK, right? Because we haven't come to terms with our colonial past and our racist past. And um, you know, if you don't recognize, you know, that it exists, then how can you how can you fix it? Mm -hmm. how can you... I mean, I really thought we had, and then that stupid race report came up, mm -hmm. like last month or something that said that UK is not racist. <laughs> And we're just laughing stock of the world. Gaslighting uh, a whole nation, yeah. And who's believing that report, I guess? Well, White people. I think people who don't live in cities, people, uh, it's it's like they, they knew what they were doing. They released it knowing that people in London, people in Manchester, um, Liverpool would find it absolutely Ridiculous. abhorrent. Right. Um, but what they're trying to do is 
um, appeal to people outside of that, so in rural areas and things like that, who you know, um, who are their base and 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 are you know maybe not so bought into as you as you call it identity politics. Let's not like get back into that, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so. Um, so yeah, it, it, it like they knew what they were doing. They're trying to win over a certain demographic. Um, they knew that they would be criticised, and it's, it's just they didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> so mainly intersectionality and solidarity is other things that you're focused on. And how do we actually? How do we further that? Like what? Yeah, so I think we've come to an interesting point in the movement. There was an article I read uh, a while back that was, uh, the title was, you know, give white people something to do. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, and I think, you know, something that, you know, I think people on the ground or have been on the ground, um, at least maybe in the States are sensing, I think it's a little bit different over here, right? Because, you know, there's still the movement to kill the bill. Um, and, you know, I think that is still quite necessary. And obviously, you know, Palestine solidarity, like mm -hmm. marches and uh, Colombia solidarity marches and things like that. Wait, just back up and explain to me to kill the bill, which bill? So there is a new bill and oh, I haven't been like fully focused on that because, you know, there are too many things to focus on. But essentially um, a bill was trying to get through parliament, which basically increases um, policing uh, and increases um, uh, criminalization, I think, um, of traveler and Romani communities. Um, and I think it also had laws uh, uh, where uh, vandalism of statues carried like a, a harsher penalty, essentially just more as a more like a law and order bill, right, mm -hmm. you know, more, more enforcement um, and, and less and, and I think uh, uh, um, measures also affected protesting as well, right? I think it's like uh, oh, a gathering of more than that. X number of people, right? Yeah, becomes which is insane. Or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I mean, it's all of it is blatant. Yeah, blatant attempt aggressive. to restrict you know, our rights to, to protest. Um, so yeah, obviously the people are fighting against it by protesting um, and then facing police brutality. So, you know. <laughs> Uh, which is yeah it's, it's always what happens right if you if you if you protest something that directly challenges the institution you're going to be met with violence you know and that's why i think mm -hmm. the you know the the marches for asian lives you know all that that they they weren't met with aggression and violence because you know we weren't or those folks weren't directly challenging those institutions right we're just saying like hey or like at least the the, the theme was like hey just pay attention to, to asian people so mm -hmm. they didn't view that as a threat you know versus you know the black lives matter movement which is essentially just saying black lives matter mm -hmm. right not even are better or you know should be it's like literally like can we just matter mm -hmm. and uh, no right the answer is no <laughs> because uh, you know violence so um yeah because the structure is formed in a way that that means that black lives don't matter so that's why it's even even saying black lives matter already is mm -hmm. defying the structural yeah, defying, defying that institution yeah absolutely um so sorry what was your question i know i answered your what was i know point? i interrupted you <laughs> and then now i've like gone off on a tangent and it i can't kill the bill wasn't it but it was right, but before, before that, that when she was talking about oh yes the i think what what's yeah what can we do or like how do we increase our oh, yeah <laughs> yeah gee so... just like a little question <laughs> what did i forget yeah, um, yeah. I think I think what I think what these movements and I think what protesting does right is really raise awareness um, for the things that maybe people. I mean, I 
I hate to say, oh, maybe I didn't know, but sure, sure, you know, uh, better late than never, you know, come to the cause. Uh, yeah, right, we're raising awareness. And I think now we're at a point where like, at least for, I think, uh, BLM and um, Black Liberation, at least the awareness aspect is quite mm -hmm. saturated. You know, I, I think it would be quite uh, inappropriate for someone to say, well, I don't know anything, you know, you can, you right. can learn on the details and you can, you can, you can. I mean, to be honest, I found it. that ridiculous last year as well like I felt like I was being gaslit and I wasn't you know even the subject of any of the pro protests but just this idea of like people suddenly going like oh my god racism's a thing it was just so yeah weird like let's have uncomfortable conversations about racism it's like hello have you never spoken about racism in your life yeah I think I think when thinking about these things a lot a framing that has helped me is right, in kind of not getting bogged down with frustration or anger um, at individual people is, you know, reminding myself that these are systems of oppression that we're fighting and these systems are actively perpetuated, right, especially in the right. US, right, there's, this, there's, a, there's a machine working to make sure that we don't uh, engage in these issues, to make sure that we, we don't know the, the, the answers or the facts, right, to make sure that we don't have an understanding and, and that is deliberate and you know uh, and I think there's a obviously you know everyone's responsible for their own words and actions um, but you know I think there is an element of you know ordinary everyday folks having to fight against that um, and I think it helps it helps at least if you're if you're trying to do if you're trying to advocate for you know things that you care about um, it helps you then to focus on the important things right rather than like condemning people um, because they haven't reached the same conclusion um, that you have. Uh, although that, that is not I mean, I think, yeah, ridiculous. I mean, it was just my own frustration and mm -hmm. I, yeah, I acknowledge that. But I think it was coupled with that book, White Fragility, mm -hmm. which I feel very much falls into what you're saying. It's like very much pointing fingers, patting yourself on the back and then mm -hmm. no, no suggestion for discussion. It's just like if you're white, just sit down and shut up. You know, mm. and it's like, that's so unhelpful. How are we going to get to any solidarity? How are we going to get to any understanding if it's just like, you know, she says parts in that book really disturbed me because it was like, it doesn't matter if you have lived in Japan and you know what it's like to be a minority, you're, you're still racist. And it's like, yes, I understand that. That's true. We're all kind of a little bit racist, mm. but it's like, are you telling me that none of your experiences change anything like you can't have any sort of further understanding of racism or empathy or you know it just felt mm -hmm. very like yeah um, about like weaponizing identity politics in a way that was not going to help yeah anybody i i haven't read the book um obviously but uh, i think i think what uh, so something that um you know, a, a, a black collective that I follow uh, in Uganda um, who who speak on kind of, you know, white saberism a lot. Um, and, you know, they were saying, yeah, copies of her book, you know, skyrocketed and, you know, most people were buying her book and it's, it's almost ironic. I mean, they were quite upset about it. I'm not sure if I'm that upset about it, uh, but it's something I've been thinking about, you know, um, right, this white woman has, has earned a ton of money for writing about, you know, whiteness and, and racism. And, you know, whether that's fair or not, and, you know, and there was questions into, well, what is she doing with this money? And I think, yeah, and I think that kind of speaks to, right, you know, she wrote a book, obviously, that's doing something. But, you know, now she's profiting from 
you know, the, the racism against black people, right, that she had, that she has captured in her writing. So, you know, what are the next steps for her? You know, how can she now? I mean, she continue? always did. Like she wrote the book based on her experience as a corporate consultant on mm -hmm. racism. So, you know, and she charged like like $6,000 an hour or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. So she's always been profiting off this subject matter. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I think the part that is, I think, cathartic for people while reading that book is that mm -hmm. to read it and then to go, oh my God, this is why my white friend could not admit to racism. You know, like that mm -hmm. idea oh. of like, how many times have I said something is racist and they just did not listen? You know, that part, I totally understand mm -hmm. why you would want a book that's just like, hello, this is why you're racist. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. kind of, it was helpful in that way. But now I can just see that sort of rhetoric being weaponized in a yeah. way that's not, I mean, we can. I think we can recognize the limitations of um, just caring about diversity, and and, and if right. we take it as just a, a corporate diversity book, yeah, or a, or it's or a, co a corporate cover yeah. book, it's, like it's, a shield for corporations. They they've now done anti um, racist training, so mm -hmm. it's harder to sue them. You know that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, the, I think. Corporate diversity is a good thing within corp within the scope of corporate culture. Um, it doesn't need it, right? It doesn't necessary. address anything else. But like, sure, um, I think corporate diversity is better than not corporate corporate not diversity. Right. You know, like, well, not, but, I don't think it addresses a lot of things. I think it has its limitations. But yeah, because um, corporations tend to forget the inclusion part, right? You mm -hmm. you have a you have an okay enough pipeline, and they come in, and then you don't address the toxic you know work environment and then mm -hmm. you traumatize your marginalized workers so then they leave and then you're like oh no why did they leave i thought you know we're, we're getting them in and then you know you don't address that issue right which is the more pertinent issue i think you know i think any company that says that they can't i mean it's harder it's definitely harder to find marginalized candidates just for various reasons for various roles um Right, it's it's harder, but you know you mm. put in the effort. So I'm quite suspicious of any corporation mm. that says they can't find diverse candidates. But mm. then once they're in, right, then that's when the real work begins, right? How do we how how do you prevent microaggressions? How do you right prevent like actual overt racism? Like mm. how do you prevent bias in promotion, hiring, things like that? Um, and I think that is where a lot of corporations struggle because they don't they don't even think about those things. Um, and yeah, and in terms of you know what people can do. Um, I think I think the way that um, a lot of things in Rights for Rights works um, is, you know, it's, it's not just about, you know, thinking about these concepts or, you know, disseminating these concepts, right? It's like, how do we apply them to our daily lives, right? Because what we have found, and I think what everyone has, will recognize is that, you know, it, these systems are not just created by the government. They're not just created by, you know, your, your kind of local or like a, a big corporation, right? Any kind of social interaction or any kind of social group, these, uh, these systems come into play. And, you know, as, as much as, you know, an organization of people who are passionate about changing the world or passionate about, you know, affecting change, um, you know, these systems are so ingrained into our minds that, you know, they, they crop up even internally. So, um, you know, I think recognizing that and noticing that and then saying, okay, 
what are the things that we can do to to prevent that from happening right so where everyone has a, has space to do the work that they want to do right to to you know to to volunteer for the things that they want to do but also then acknowledging this like power dynamic acknowledging these like different structures that come into play um and you know so for example we have progressive stacking whenever we we were in a meeting right which is you know depending on who uh, it's like an order of who raises a hand right but it, you know and I think this happens uh, happened in, in, in the Occupy movement as well uh, but you know depending on your identity right you get to speak first um, because you know your your voice has probably in, in other spaces right been silenced or you know not been acknowledged <laughs> so what yeah. does like a lay person do like a tangible mm -hmm. thing we can an I think can do? honestly get involved in your community right like it's not you know it's not about you know, getting elected into office or like pushing for policies or like, you know, really understanding the large scale problems, right? Just really get involved in your community. And I think, especially since COVID and especially I think since like, at least in the US um, in the Black Lives Matter movement, right? Like there's, you know, it's not just protesting and being out in the streets, right? It's like, it's really saying, you know, if we if we do say we want communities to, to have a say in how they're governed or to have a say in what they need, um, then you know go go to those communities and, and and speak with them right and then and it's and it's you know not going in especially if you come from position of privilege right whether that's wealth or, or your race or whatever um it's not to say i'm here to you know help you like i'm here to you save know you. save you from yourself <laughs> you know it's it's more like what can i do to help right mm -hmm. so you know uh, at least you know with writers and for a lot of other you know organization that maybe started as protest organizations right there's they they do a ton of mutual aid you know like um bringing supplies like you know in in the new in new york at least there's a ton of community fridges you know free food for everyone and like working with other people uh who can provide goods and services right and then distributing them across your communities is a really powerful thing to do and then you know and if you are in an organization of your already in and not even just like a, an activist organization right in in your workplace you know and uh, if you really if you really believe that uh work needs to be done to um you know to elevate you know marginalized voices then then do that you know if you're a hiring manager right make sure that your hiring policies are are fair and that you know you're 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 um looking out for unconscious bias right uh in a room in a meeting right if if you notice that like someone is not speaking up and they're a woman or they're like a marginalized person like speak up or like yeah um make sure right that you're elevating their voice and then you know it, it, at least in in writers you know uh there's a lot of work that is divided up right and then you know um the yeah the, the more privileged people will right will do the work that's maybe not as visible um you know will help with the the operations and you know or not help but like you know really sometimes really steer the operations um side and the admin side of the organization right which is critical to our work right because otherwise it kind of all falls apart um right like uh, doing doing the work that might not be visible but it's still crucial um and uh and yeah just making sure that you're not taking up just too much space um and you know just being conscious of that you know i think i think uh, I think it's difficult for like white cis men to do because they've never had to be deferential. Um, so I think it maybe takes a lot, maybe more of like a mental effort in the beginning. But I think, you know, for for a lot of like marginalized people, um, it's it comes more naturally because we've always had to 
have an element of you know that uh, in, in our daily lives. Um, so yeah, I think you know regardless of the spaces that you're operating in, you know I would say definitely try to be more involved in community things and then in those spaces, right, being aware of your contribution and, you know, where you can really elevate other people, right, to, 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 to your level or, or even should above you, right, especially if it, the work is like community work, so. Yeah, okay. Well, thank you so much for your time and your yes. intelligence and articulation and everything. Oh, thank you both for <laughs> having me. That was really fun and hopefully, yeah, hopefully gave some ideas of how to you know, be, um, yeah, how to be either, yeah, show up for solidarity or just how to show up and in, in spaces wherever you want to be, so. Little outro. So what did you think of our conversation? Um, how did you think we did as a conversation? Great. I mean, I enjoyed it. I don't know <laughs> if it's going to make any sense, you know, like when people listen back to it, but it made sense to me. Um, so that's a good start. Um, I'm sure <laughs> if I were to do it more regularly, then I, I would have a bit more control, uh, metacognition on, on like where the con conversation goes. Do you think so? I don't know. We'll revisit <laughs> this. <laughs> yeah, we can revisit yeah. this in like yeah. 10, 10 episodes and be like, this, have we improved our discussion? Yeah. Or at least a rapport, you know, like. Because we lack a rapport right now. <laughs> we have developed a rapport. <laughs> Yeah, we've just had like, our entire lives to develop a report. And we just somehow <laughs> didn't work until yeah. we started. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Okay.